All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Happy holidays, whatever holidays it is that you are celebrating. That's right. We're all here together at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can say safely for everyone, uh, goodbye 2014. <laughs> That's right. Let's, uh, let's all <clears throat> move on. Uh, so we're here to discuss the Downton Abbey Christmas special, as ever. That's right. So the first half hour, I was like, is this Downton Abbey or Three's Company? <laughs> like, yeah. It was really <clears throat> mean-spirited for the first half well, hour. Well, and just the dialogue felt all off to me. I was like, like so much, I mean, A, it was like it had been written by some kind of fellows bought 5,000 <laughs> Downton script generator. And, it was, and what it reminded me of was uh, in Mystery Men, the uh, the Sphinx that always has like these stupid aphorisms, like all of the like one liners in the first twenty thirty minutes felt like that. I I know I, you don't know, but some of our cousins I'm sure will appreciate listen, that. Uh, you've never seen Fight Club, and I've never seen Mystery Men, right? So I suppose we're even <laughs> yes. in this marriage. Sure. Uh, so let's work through the pro. Let's work through the plot point. Let's do that. Uh, starting with the broth. <laughs> right. So there is a conflict between Danker and Spratt. Yes. Uh, as ever. As ever it was. And Spratt is like, oh, hey, you can't even make a broth. And Danker's like, I can totes make a broth. Right. And then he's like, well, why don't you do it then? And she's like, okay. But she can't make a broth. She can't. As it happens. Right. So she goes to Daisy and Mrs. Patmore to try and uh, learn how to make a broth. Right. And she can't. Yeah. Uh, so Daisy goes to the dower house and is like, oh, here's a broth. And <laughs> she is intercepted on her way out by Spratt, who deduces yeah. that the broth has been brought by Daisy to be passed off by Mrs. Danker. And uh, he then swipes said broth and pours it down the sink, yeah. forcing Danker to have to actually make a broth. Right. Because Spratt may be creepy and weird, but he's no fool, I guess. Uh, I don't know why we're dealing with this. Right. Anyway, the dowager comes down to the kitchen, which I think is highly unlikely. Well. But she comes down and says she'll taste the broth. She tastes Danker's broth and says it's delicious. And right. Spratt is like, what, what, what? Right. And the dowager says something about... Malice uh, taken too far is dumb or yeah. whatever. And she's basically she's saying, Spratt, will you for Christ's sake shut the fuck up? I'm sick of this. This is my house. But, you know, because not she's like, like oh, that. I'm not going to eat any more of the broth now. <laughs> right. And then Danker somehow counts as a victory. Okay, done. Moving on. All of this is happening at the same time as the Dowager has saved Princess Karagan yes. from uh, the Bolsheviks. Right. Or so, like her, she was in Hong Kong yeah, or whatever. So they've they found her. They've extricated her with Shrimpy's help. Yeah, and had her sent, Shrimpy's men. Yes, yeah, Shrimpy's have, men. <laughs> so Princess Kragan has been sent to the Dowager's house, and she's insisted <laughs> that Isabel and Murdy be there mm-hmm. to deflect uh, the poor behavior that Princess Kragan is sure to exhibit. Being a temperamental Russian. Right. And uh, she Prince, delivers. Prince Karagin has apparently borrowed his tuxedo from a local theater. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's very uncomfortable because yeah. Princess Karagin is like, I am from Russia and you know what you did. And like everybody's like, what? And Princess Karagin is like, I am from Russia and I hate all of you. Oh, man. Listen, we'll get into this when we get into sure. the real. But man, she's great. Yeah. Like... She scares the bejesus out of the Dowager <laughs> Countess. And uh, prior to her being there, or perhaps after, after. it was after. Yeah. So, okay, they have a very awkward time. time together. And then 
she goes up and then Prince Kragan is like, so are we doing it? And the Dowager Countess is like, nah, dude, you gotta deal with that business. Right. And he's like, aw. <laughs> and then the scenes between Maggie Smith and uh Isabel are phenomenal. Yes. They're so great. They've been throughout the season the saving grace. Yeah. So basically Isabel's like, so you gonna tap that? And Maggie Smith is like, no, and it's, you know, kind of a bummer because it's probably the last immoral proposition I'm likely to get mm-hmm. in my lifetime. And Isabel's like, oh, waka waka. Yeah. Uh it's great. Yeah. Which brings us to Murdy. Yeah. Murdy we're team Murdy. All the way. We're team Murdabelle. We're huge or fans. Or Mert. <laughs> What's your pleasure? I mean, Murdabelle is better. Mert is funnier. So. Well, we'll go with Murdabelle. <laughs> okay. We'll just, we'll go with, uh, the, well, the, the dignified. The, the English title. <laughs> right. So Murdabelle. <laughs> Lord so Murdabelle. Murdy's like, dude. What if we got married still? And Isabel's like, uh, remember how your sons are dicks? And right. he's like, oh, is that it? And she's like, uh, yeah. She's he, like, I don't want to be in the middle of this the whole rest of my life. Right. And so Murdy's like, oh, so if I talk them around, it'll be fine. And Isabel's like, yeah. And Murdy apparently thinks that he can. Murdy's a fine man. <laughs> right. A mighty fine man. <laughs> if I may borrow a phrase. Sure. Uh, but his son writes a rather impertinent letter yeah. to Isabel. And months. this covers the period of several months. Yeah. It's like from... Presumably summer to, to Christmas. Christmas, basically. Yeah. Anyway, so she doesn't show him the letter until Christmas. And he's like, why did you keep this from me? And she's like, listen, dude, I'm not going to get involved in this whole veil of tears. To say nothing of the fact that he does seem a bit older than her and is more yeah. likely to die first, which means she would inherit everything. Mm. And his sons would be quite put out. That's a good point. Like, look. This series was built on the intricacies of pro, of male promogeniture, right? Yeah. yeah. Am I saying that right? Primogeniture. Primogeniture. Right. Listen, also... Promogeniture is where your sons handle all your advertising. <laughs> Look, I think it's worth mentioning at this point that we've been with our families <laughs> for 10 days, so we've had a few. We've, we've had, much like Lord Grantham... Spoilers, we'll get there. We will. We will get there. <laughs> anyway, so I think we're going to see an Isabel Murdy wedding eventually. I uh, think so, too. I'm not quite sure how he'll wrangle it, but I think he will. Well, it's hard to say. Maybe he'll have Bates kill his sons. <sighs> we'll get there. <laughs> so, Lord Cinderby's bastard and Stole. Wow, yeah. Okay, so Stole is the butler at... Granther Beam... No, uh, Durstishurch. There's this castle, see? Right. In Scotland, I presume, because yeah. they're playing bagpipes at dinner. The Illin pipes. Yes. So the Cinderbees have invited, uh, the Crawleys yeah. up to shoot. And Lord Cinderby's, uh, butler is a dick. Yeah. And the staff on site don't like him because they would prefer to be taking orders from their own butler who's, who's on presumably holiday. less of a dick. Uh, butlers are being a dick is kind of the number one well that's qualification. true yeah. but anyway uh he's quite rude mm-hmm. to thomas who's filling in for mr bates for reasons we will discuss later right I suppose. and also quite rude to branson yes thus mary is like hey stop being rude to branson and asks basic through what's her name asks thomas um, to intervene you know, prune face. Name. Yeah, uh, Miss 
She's been around the for ladies made two two seasons now. It's she's been, a couple been here, weeks, guys. Did we mention? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so Miss uh... Baxter. Baxter. Yes. So Baxter's like, hey Thomas, can you have a scheme? He's like, can I? <laughs> so he uh, initially he has stole he serve. A, no, he forges a note right to the cook from the valet who is also gone for reasons that Unclear, are stupid. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, serve bullshit food to Lord Cinderby. So they're all at dinner, and Lord Cinderby dresses down Stoles and Thomas, calling Thomas a stupid fool. Right. Which Thomas is not too keen on. No. So Thomas, uh, manages then later to gain the confidence of Mr. Stole. Yeah. And basically sends a note to a woman who has been Lord Cinderby's mistress and has a child by him yeah. to swing on by the old castle, which she does in the midst of afternoon tea party. Right. Because she was told that he would be alone. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, awkward city. Yeah. Because, and boy, Thomas sure didn't get a comeuppance for that because that's just like, that's just way over escalating. No, that's too much. That's like yeah. Joker levels of escalation. <laughs> right. Anyway, so Rose is like, oh, Lord Cinderby, you look like you're freaking out. And he's like, Ugh! and she's like, all right, I'm going to pretend this lady is my friend. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it all fine. She's like, Mary, like, help me out here, Lord Grantham. And they do. Right. And then uh, I call this lady Mia Farrow because she looks <laughs> an awful lot like Mia Farrow. Right. Anyway, this all brings Lord Cinderby around. Because uh, he was still upset Rose. about Rose's parents being divorced. Yes. And he was like, oh, wait, I have an illegitimate child. And now everybody knows, so I have to, like, be nicer, I guess. So everybody wins? Well, not that illegitimate child, or no. Or stole. Right. Uh, Edith's bastard. Yes. So Lord Grantham has finally decided he's going to say something to Edith because I have this set later. Lord Grantham may or may not have angina because he's been having severe chest pains. Right. Uh, and basically McGee badgers him for like 15 minutes about this. And mm-hmm. he finally is like, I might have angina. And she's like, oh no. Right. So anyway, he decides he's going to go see Edith at night and she's reading a book and he's like, oh, I've just come to see if you're chucking things at the fireplace again. <laughs> anyway, he's this like, isn't our house, you know, yeah. don't burn it down. He's please. like, P.S. Marigold. She's your kid, right? And she's like, oh no, Papa, <laughs> you have to forgive me. And I'm like, this asshole. He should be asking for your forgiveness at well, this point. And he says the same, to yeah. be fair. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he knows, and basically everybody but Mary knows at this point. Yeah. Because uh, Tom later finds out, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Nobody cares. Right. Which is weird. It, it is amount, weird. The extent to which uh, the Crawley family's tolerance has <laughs> ballooned is quite unbelievable it is quite particularly in light of our conversations with lucy lethbridge author yes. of the book servants which you should check out buy and listen to our podcast about absolutely uh anyway use the affiliate link yeah they're all very like oh everything's fine and i'm like i doubt it yeah well we'll take it uh now in a section we'll call coming to america which <laughs> we can spend very little time about uh atticus has been offered a job in america he's yes. going to take it he and rose are moving to america and uh, Branson slash Tom is definitely moving to Boston to be with his family and taking city. Right. And everyone's quite put out about it. Yes. And rightly so. 
Uh, I mean, you know, look, you know, Cumberbatch got to him. What are you going to do? Yeah, indeed. There's nothing you can do when his, you know, weird face starts talking to you. I look like a melted candle. I will move to America. <laughs> Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Carson. Yeah. So Carson and Mrs. Hughes are looking at houses. Right. As their retirement discussed. scheme. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Hughes is going along with this, but then she has a terrible secret. She does. Which is that she has a sister who has some sort of mental handicap mm-hmm. and she's been secretly caring for all these years and right. is thus penniless as yeah. a result. So Carson is very upset, uh, just because he is like concerned that she has nothing put away for retirement. Right. And then at the very end when they're having a Christmas party with all the tenants basically is like, Hey dude, why don't you just marry me? And she's like i eat uh, <laughs> except it's like like look this is a terrible idea right butlers were single forever it was like the priesthood yeah but phyllis logan and uh what's jim fuzz? carter jim carter are such good actors yeah that they sell the shit out of it and we were cry- like we were like about to give up on this show right because we hated this idea and we have long hated this idea right and it's not like we're sold on it now like all but... they had to do was talk about the fact that it would be like a sound business proposition right i, I just wish they'd given that a little more weight in that discussion but what we will say is that that was it was clear from context that that was well and the phrase you old booby <laughs> generally when you accept a marriage proposal with the phrase you old booby yeah it's more of a business proposition than a love match right no one's happy right now right because we must needs talk about murder prison yes we've mostly not talked about it because it is so stupid Right. Do we need to stop now? <clears throat> well, Murray came Murray's back. there. Yeah, that we was got great. Murray. So, yeah. He's still rocking his stash. All right. So, the point is, Anna definitely killed Green. <laughs> I'm just throwing I that out there. I kind of think she did. Yeah. Why wouldn't she have? And she was, like, almost raped by her stepfather. Right. And attacked him. And somehow the police have found out about this. Right. Through things that don't seem entirely logical. Yeah. And also they let her know that they had found that out, which I don't think you should let your defendant know the key to yeah. your case if you can avoid it. At any rate, it. Bates is a dick. Yeah. Bates is like, oh, I'm going to write a written confession and flee to Ireland. Where he has family. And, and apparently always has had family, then, I assume. Then, like, Molesley does Inspector Molesley and yeah. takes Bates' picture in New York and shows it around at all the pubs with Baxter. Yeah. Some place remembered him being there on that day. They're like, oh, I remember how depressing the pub became the moment he walked in. <laughs> and look, I'll grant you that they would totally remember that that person had been there. Sure. But I really doubt they would remember the day. Agreed. Particularly as long ago as it presumably was. Yeah. Anyway, Anna's released from prison uh on bail and like whatever. That's like that's like that Simpsons where it's like, was he carrying a piece of paper? Oh yeah, you don't forget a thing like that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Bates then at that Christmas party at the end shows up. Right. And then he and Anna presumably go off to Bone for Christmas. Right. And... Even though now her alibi is ruined? I don't know. Let's but, not give this any more discussion. Yeah. We assume the police are just sick of this shit now, too. Yeah, they've burned murder prison and everyone in it <laughs> to the ground. Just to avoid further prosecution of this <gasps> case. But there's a silver lining to Ooh. every dark cloud, and it is Matthew Good. <laughs> oh. Listen, let me tell you, oh, everybody, 
I know Matthew Good was in this episode, but I'm not sure what happened in any of his scenes because Kelly was so busy gasping over how attractive Matthew he Good was. He looks like a hot bird. <laughs> he's so so. He's like if Patrick Bateman was a real person, right? Which is why he has been paired with Mary. Yes, because she's extremely cruel in this episode. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's shown up uninvited as the guest of a guest of a guest or something. And there's sure. like this agent who's kind of flirting with Edith. Oh, and yeah. That guy. he's easily the most buffoonish of all the buffoons they've tried to pair her with. Yeah, that guy sucks. And I'm like, does I Laura, don't even know why that guy was in does the Does Laura Carmichael just cry herself to sleep every day? <laughs> anyway. I mean, presumably on a pile of money. But so still. he's rather dashing and whatnot. And he is like a rather good shot, but he's like pretending he's not. They're all at the Cinderbees rental to shoot grouse. Right. In case we didn't make that clear. Yeah. And then like Matthew Good and Branson are apparently good shots, but nobody ever, we don't see any actual shot. Like nobody succeeds in shooting any grouse that we see. Yeah. It's very weird. Anyway. So Mary's trying to explain how Matthew died and then the grouse come out. And then, like, later, she's like, oh, you know, I thought I'd missed you when you were leaving, and you should come to Downton. And he's like, oh, well, shooting's not really my sport. I uh, mourn to cause. Right. And she basically jizzes herself right there. Right. Which is weird in the context that she's talking about how her husband died in a car accident is then cut off. Right. And he's like, I love fast cars. And I'm not clear to what extent that context is even related. Name? <laughs> right. But maybe she's like, oh, well, if he's into cars, he definitely won't die in a car accident. He's an expert. He jumps in without opening the door. Very dashing. <laughs> Listen, I... I don't know how Matthew Good's going to get out of this bucket of syrup. I honestly don't. I'm like, look, they'll keep bringing you back, dude. Molesley is still on the show. <laughs> well, because Matthew Good had a pretty decent film career going. Yeah. Because I believe also in the imitation game right now. Oh, yeah. Which I assume is how he got involved in this. Could be. But I mean, come on. Aren't we playing for a Marion Blake endgame? Although Tony's yeah. out of the picture now, so if they're planning to drag this out for a seventh season, which, which so help me God, <laughs> they better fucking not. It's hard to concept. I like, can't tell you, cousins. Perhaps we've said this before. We probably have. A sixth one. Right. Again. Yeah. More with this. Yeah. Nothing's even happening anymore. Right. Like Lord Grantham doesn't even have a legit heart condition. <laughs> right. They won't commit to anything. Well, they look, and it's, you know, it is what it is. Look, I'm less pessimistic than I was before I watched this special. Right. For the show does hold a special place in my cold, shriveled heart. Right. But anyway, I just can't see them having Matthew good money. I wouldn't. For the whole of season six. I wouldn't. It's, it, it is hard to imagine. Yes. Agreed. Uh, they've sold the Della Francesca yeah. and made some money off of it. Right. So congrats, Lord Grantham, on finally having done something right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, Daisy studies. She is ambivalent about continuing them. Oh, okay. And that yeah. is boring. Like, I sort of missed that. Uh, yeah, it was there and there was no point because, again, they've clearly shifted almost their entire focus upstairs. I know. And it's horrible because... I mean, again, apart from, you know, the Anna Bates pit of despair, the rest of everything down there, I mean, you know, Patmore never does anything anymore. Well, Carson and Hughes might be getting married or whatever. Right. But uh, well, but my point is, apart from that, like, I, 
everyone else down there. I'm I'm even happy, not so much Baxter, but I'm even happy with Molesley, you know, flopping around down there. Well, I got look, no problem with that. What they've done, what they've done, and I think it's been more on exhibit in this particular outing than ever before. They've really made all of the downstairs people extensions of the upstairs people. Mm. Nobody in this episode with the possible exception of Carson and Mrs. Hughes downstairs right. does anything not more or less at the behest of the upstairs people. Yeah, that's true. No, Even you're right. like it was... Bates' gesture of confessing to the crime he didn't commit. Yeah. I mean, it's just all about, oh, the Crawleys and yeah. like their precious, your precious <laughs> mother. I'd also like to say Elizabeth McGovern is given nothing to do in this episode. And yeah. She's become more and more for me the VIP of this series. Mm-hmm. Granted, Maggie Smith does more. Yeah, with a thrown away like just facial a random reaction shot to Mary singing "Silent Night" of all things. Well, she's thinking about Prince Karagin. Well, I know. Anyway, oh, she does tell Isabel. Yeah, that she, you know because Isabel's like, oh, and you never strayed again <laughs> because she basically right. We forgot this yeah, part because yeah, yeah, yeah. it came at the end. So Isabel. Granny, Violet, sorry. <laughs> uh, Maggie Smith. Yes. So when she was in Russia with Lord Grantham, she and Prince Karaga decided they were going to elope. She was in the carriage with him. Mm-hmm. And Princess Karagan showed up, dragged her out by the hair. Yeah. And threw her into the cab that Princess Karagan had come in and sent her back to Lord Grantham. And Isabel's like, oh, so you were quite disheveled. And Maggie <laughs> Smith is like, oh, you know, men, they never notice anything, which is absolutely true. It's true. Uh, spoken by a man. Mm-hmm. So you know it's definitely true. Yeah. And uh, Maggie Smith says, within a week, I was thanking her. And uh, so Isabel's like, oh, and you never strayed again. And Maggie Smith is like, well, I never stood on the brink of losing everything I had. And like, so it's like, yeah, Violet, mm-hmm. get that D. <laughs> Anyways, um, we would watch an entire hour and a half thing mm-hmm. where it was just Violet and Isabel. Right. Like, that's interesting. And Murdy, Kroggins, yeah. whoever's you know, Murdy, in their Dr. Clarkson, who's yeah. going to be very thrilled uh, <laughs> about the dissolution of Murdabel. Yeah. Uh yeah, but I mean, there were just, there were some really great moments. Mm-hmm. Sophie McShira, give the woman something to do. Yeah. For God's sake. Yeah. No, she's, like, she's really Rob good. Rob Collier James. Yes. Give him something to do. Yeah. I mean, even, even, you know, his motivations were ridiculous mm-hmm. in much of it, but, but like, he, his. He was finally able to connect with, like, first season Thomas. Yeah. And, and God, like haven't him, we all missed it? Like, his simmering resentment to his various indignities was yes. just like, yeah. Uh, that was great. Hugh Bonneville. Yeah. Who got, okay, oh, it was an angina. It's an PS. ulcer. It's an ulcer. So yeah. they made him not drink till Christmas Eve. And then he got <laughs> hammered drunk. <laughs> right. And that was great. It was. Uh, and he just, like, we hate the character. Yeah. And so much of what he has to do. But Hugh Bonneville sells it so hard. Yeah. He does and a great job as an actor. he and McGee get super tender with each other, I get a little overclimbed. Yeah. Like, they're so cute. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah. Oh, God. And then there was the moment because uh, Edith and Tom were hanging stockings on their children's beds in the nursery. Yeah. And then Mary came in as well, though we were like thinking she wasn't going to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, oh, I don't even really like him. Uh, anyway, but then they all realized. If I get him presents now, I suppose I'll just have to keep doing it. 
<laughs> Someday I hope to be half the Mother Mary is. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tom points out that they're the three who loved Sybil best, and I'm not totally sure that's true. Well, because they correct, and it was like, oh, Mommy and Daddy. And he's like, well, we're the ones that should have grown old with her. That is correct, but also uh, I don't think Lord Grantham cared. <laughs> and secondly, McGee loved her the most. Absolutely, And anybody yes. who wants to disagree with me... No. I can't even talk about it without yeah. getting really upset. But right. the scene where she is like saying goodbye to Sybil's corpse and calls her my baby, my beauty, go fuck yourself. Yeah. That is fucking television at its finest. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so they all join hands and Edith and Mary even hold hands. Yeah. And they, you know, Mary says, oh, you know, Sybil, wherever you are, we're wishing you the happy Christmas, which Lord Grantham interrupts and is like oh tom i don't suppose you'd mind letting sibby stay here while you get settled in boston but anyway it yeah, was yeah. a very sweet it moment. was and it was and that was a great michelle dockery moment too because you could see her being like hating to give up her you know icy exterior for a second she just can't wait to be 80 yeah. like that's michelle dockery's whole thing yeah in this show yeah um anyway it was a perfectly diverting way to spend an hour and a half yeah and we hope maybe Neem, <laughs> random intern that listens to this while you're smoking pot. Uh, look, the building blocks to make this show great again in its twilight are all there. Yeah. If they recommit to the downstairs narratives and right. push them in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And if the upstairs narratives just, you know, carry more weight. Yeah. And I mean... You know, I don't even know because I don't even well, know where to look, tell them honestly, to go. The, the Crawleys have moved from being this paragon of Edwardian virtue to being like a bohemian collective, <laughs> right? And that's, well, that's fine, I but mean, they ought to be shamed, yeah, appropriately for the time. Well, yeah, and I mean, the issue is that you know, I mean, that's the issue is that the original conflict is gone, and you need to come up with what are the conflicts of the twenties, yeah. That you well, know. and you know, and honestly, in series four, you know, Rose dabbling in jazz, mm-hmm. and I guess it was series three where she was sleeping with that married man. The but, end of it, yeah, yeah, but like sort of that kind of thing, and I mean, even in uh, series five where Mary's had sex with Tony Gilliam and been like, "Ooh, he's got a small dick," right? Um, ugh, which makes me think horrid things about Matthew Crawley's manhood. But anyway, well, uh, you know. There are genuine conflicts to be had. Yeah. And look, and the, and no, Edith, that's the thing. Edith having this bastard could be one of them. I suppose, yeah. Because it could ruin the whole family. Jesus Christ, having two once suspected murderers on your staff. Well. Like, there's just, you know, yeah. they need, somebody needs to come in and really rein the whole spectacle in at this point. Yeah. Because it's just not even compelling. It's not. Well, I mean, you know. You know, we used to weep openly through entire episodes of this show. We did, yeah. And now it's more eye rolls than weeps. Right. You know, they still get their moment. But I mean, it's, you know, and it's the actors they have. I mean, that's what's keeping the the show afloat. The actors are so top-notch. Yeah. 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 And the direction and the art direction. Oh, sure, yeah. And the costuming. I mean, it's as beautiful as it ever was. But the heart of it is gone. Yeah. The, you know, there's no real human pulse at the heart of it anymore right everyone's too comfortable and i mean part of the problem too is that they never really bought into the original conflict anyway they were always you know soft selling all the class conflicts and the social upheavals and everything you know because everybody was always everybody was always basically right 
Yeah. You know, with the I mean, the occasional cameo from some kind of villain or whatever, but basically everybody's heart has always been in the right place. And, I mean, it worked well, for a while. Well, for Thomas and O'Brien, well, and right. then they retconned Thomas. Yeah, yeah. So, fix it, Neem. Yeah. You're our only hope. <laughs> All right. God knows Julian Fellows isn't listening to you. <laughs> we would be remiss not to mention the excellent text Santa uh, Downton mm. parody. Yes. Honestly. I mean, people asked for a recap and we were like, why? We do that every week. Uh, yeah. Like what they did was like take this podcast and make it a thing. Yeah. Lord Grantham had ISIS slippers <laughs> and just, I mean, everything it was, about it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, absolutely seek it out. George yeah. Clooney's in it. ITV text Santa. Yes. Downton, it was you know, really you should... phenomenal. Uh, Mr. Selfridge, Jeremy Piven is in it. Yep. Yeah. Talking about undergarments with Isabel. Bell, mm-hmm. and it's just hysterically funny yeah uh we really enjoyed it so yeah. thanks to all i mean we many many of you cousins shared it with us we yeah. really appreciate yes, that yes as we were traveling and not paying any attention <laughs> yeah. to anything uh but it was great i mean just all of the in jokes and i mean you know uh, god even baron fellows was in it and i did want to punch him in the face well but, right but you know you can only do so much right uh, so I think that's about it. I think that that's about it. Yeah. So thanks for sticking with us through yet another year. Mm-hmm. It's been lovely it uh, recapping been. with all of you. We'll be doing in-depth Downton recaps once the U.S. broadcasts start. Which is like um, momentarily. Yeah. So. And then going back into Mr. Selfridge, which yeah. we're quite excited about. The new promo for that is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of exciting things it's, seem to be afoot. Yeah. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. Luncheon out.